We live in a world that doesn't always understand grief, but we do. We see you, we hear you, and we're here to talk about grief in the most real of ways, because we have lived with it too. In this podcast, we'll look at ways to integrate grief into a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. There'll be no platitudes or silver linings, but there may be the occasional F-bomb. I'm coach John Polo, and my person died. I'm coach Carolyn Gower, and my person died too. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the My Person Died Too podcast. Today's episode is entitled, Nobody Knew I Was Feeling Broken. John, I believe you're going to get us started this week, so I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Carolyn. So when Michelle was sick and eventually dying, I wouldn't really leave her side. The only time I would leave her side was when someone would come and sit with her and I would go home to get some clothes or if we were already home, I absolutely needed to you know, get something from the grocery store, or I needed to go to the pharmacy to get her medicine. Or perhaps she, you know, all of a sudden got hungry and needed something to eat. So I tell her I'd be right back. And I would head to the car and I would turn on the car and I would turn the radio on and I would start bawling, like bawling, absolute, could not stop. But I didn't have time to just sit there and bawl because I had to go get her what she needed and then I had to get back home because she was so sick. So I would start driving to the grocery store as an example. And you know, I'd be bawling the whole five to seven minute drive there. And I'd get there and I'd park and I'd clean myself up a little bit before I went in. Nobody in that store knew that I was feeling so incredibly broken. Nobody in that store knew. Nobody in that store knew that I just had an absolute breakdown in my car. Nobody in that store knew that my wife was at home dying of cancer. Nobody knew the fear. Nobody knew the pain. Nobody knew the heartache. Nobody knew it. Here's my point. We have absolutely no idea what our fellow human is going through. We have absolutely no idea if they're in a good, happy place or if they are about to break. I can vividly remember many times like that trip to the grocery store because it happened so many times in so many different ways. And I can vividly remember times where a smile or a stranger offering help in some way carried me through that moment. And I can vividly remember times in which someone was rude or nasty or selfish, or outright mean, for one reason or another, to me or to somebody else, 
And I can vividly remember how that almost made me completely lose my shit because I was already on the edge of completely losing my shit. We have no idea what people are going through. We have no idea how close someone might be to breaking. The way I live my life now, it's not easy, but the way I live my life now is to assume that every person I come into contact with needs my kindness. To assume that every person I come into contact with can benefit from my kindness. To assume that every person I come into contact with can have their day changed for the better by my kindness. Now, is that the reality of the situation? Maybe, maybe not. But what's the downside? Spreading kindness? being a good person, helping other humans who might be in pain, saying hello to someone or glancing a smile in the direction of someone who feels invisible to the rest of the world. And in that second, perhaps you made them feel not invisible. I am not trying to preach here, although I sound preachy, but I want you guys to think about this as you move forward to think about every human that you come into contact with every human you see every human you meet you have absolutely no idea what they are going through you you can be the difference between carrying them through that day with your kindness with your acknowledgement by letting them know that they're not invisible and that maybe even you care or you can be the one person who takes that other human who is struggling so much and kicks them while they are down. There's so much of what you just said, John, that I can really relate to. I barely left Tony's side for the last 10 months of his life as his health really began to decline. And even though there were times when we'd cry together as we talked things through, my big you know, like, I mean, really big, ugly crying sessions, they were always in the shower or in the car because they were the only times when I was alone and I didn't want him to see how sad I was. And I can remember just sitting on the floor of the shower for ages with the water running over me and bawling my eyes out, then eventually getting dressed and pulling myself together to be bright again so I could do my best for Tony. Though it did come out later on that he already knew that I'd been crying in the shower. And goddamn, I hated going to the supermarket or the grocery store, as I think you guys call it. So I'd get out of the car and wipe my eyes and take a deep breath before I went in and just hope like hell that I didn't run into anyone I knew. And then there was the ordeal of facing the checkout chick. Just on a side note, do you call them checkout chicks? <laughs> no, we don't call them <laughs> checkout chicks. <laughs> Actually, I think that if I went in and called somebody a checkout chick here in the United States, somebody would be very offended. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably are in Australia now. It's a term that's been around for a long time. And um, I guess Got you it. can work out what it is that the person at the yep. register serving. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 
it's their job to be friendly to everyone. So you, you get all those questions that you just hate when you're feeling like that. So it's, how are you today? And while you, you really want to say, well, I'm really fucking shit because my husband is dying. But you just smile and say, I'm good. Have you had a busy day? You force out another smile. Yes. What have you been up to? And you're thinking, oh, my Lord, you really don't want me to answer that, do you? So you just take a deep breath and smile again and mumble, not much. Because they had no idea what I was going through on those days. No idea of the fear, the pain and the heartache, as you said, John. But a warm smile can make a big difference on those days. Just as someone being rude can really tip you over the edge. And look, I've got one day that does stick in my mind that really, really got to me. And it was a Friday morning. And it ended up being um, only a few weeks before Tony died. And he told me to go and do a yoga class because I hadn't been to one for a while and he knew I was missing it and also that I'd feel better afterwards. So I did. And I came out of the class feeling so much calmer and so much more relaxed, ready to get on with the day. And then I was reversing out of the car park and I hear bang. Oh, shit. So what had happened was a lady was reversing from the other side of the street and we reversed into each other. So I guess it was kind of both our fault, though I thought it was more hers because she was parked in a no parking area and I wasn't expecting her to be there. But she was so rude and yelled and carried on saying it was my fault. She was going to get her son who was a lawyer onto me and completely threatening me. And all I could do was just cry. I was bawling my eyes out. My emotions had all just come to a head and I just couldn't get a word out. So needless to say, the benefits that I'd got from the yoga class were all gone and I even started blaming myself for going to the class. There was no damage to our car and very minimal to hers, so I wasn't really sure why she reacted the way she did, but maybe she was having a bad day too. So I guess that kind of leads us to the other side of the story. When we are going through a hard time, for us to be aware that we're not taking it out on someone who may say or do something that rubs us up the wrong way, when it really is nothing to do with them at all. Because we're not mad at them, we're mad at what's happening in our lives, what we are going through. Absolutely. I mean, I could give countless examples of both. You know, I remember once I ran home, my mom stayed with Michelle for a bit at the hospital. So, you know, I, I run home as quick as I can and I go and I shower and I get some more clothes. And then I went to the Dunkin' Donuts really quick. By the way, do you guys have Dunkin' Donuts out there? I bet you don't. Um, I'm not sure. I've heard of it. Oh, you I, would know if you I had Dunkin' it's Donuts. On, it's very, only on <laughs> it's television very I've heard of it. <laughs> Wait, you don't have Starbucks either, do you? I think we do in some of the cities. Okay. All right. There is a Dunkin' Donuts and a Starbucks on every block in America. So anyways, you know, I ran to the Dunkin' Donuts by our condo to get myself a coffee before I went back to the hospital. And the woman working there, you know, she would see me all the time before Michelle got sick. She asked me, hey, you know, John, where have you been? I haven't seen you in a while. And this was shortly after Michelle first got diagnosed. So for, right after her first surgery, 
we pretty much knew that the cancer was so rare and aggressive, it would eventually take her. She, the employee at Dunkin' Donuts, was not aware that Michelle was sick. And I told her in the line at Dunkin' Donuts after she asked me where I had been for a while. And I began sobbing in front of everyone. I mean, just could not hold the tears back type of sob. You know, I saw a meme the other day that said, if you ask me, how are you? I'll say good. But if you ask me, are you okay? I will fully spiral out. To me, that meme is so true. And with all good memes that I did not write, I'm a little bit jealous that I did not write it. But to your last point, Carolyn, I agree. There were definitely times and not one, not two, but quite a few times where I took out my hurt and anger on other people, people who did not deserve it at all. And I hugely regret those moments. And look, John, it's easy to look back now and recognize that. But when you're in the midst of all that we and so many others have been through, it's almost like we're living in a different world, a world where you do feel completely isolated from normality. There was a Sunday afternoon in 2016 when we were right in the midst of chemo and scans and the whole scary cancer shit show. And Tony and I just wanted to get out of the house for a bit. So we decided to go to the movies, which was something that we love to do. It wasn't a whole lot to choose from, but we decided on Deadpool because we'd heard it was funny and we sure could have done with a laugh. So we're sitting there with our popcorn and our chock top ice creams, ready to have a good laugh just as the movie was about to begin. So you can imagine our shock as we see on the screen right there in front of us that the main character has cancer. Tony and I looked at each other in the darkened cinema and both mouthed together, what the fuck? So we sat there and squirmed uncomfortably in our seats for about another 10 minutes and everyone around us was just screaming with laughter. And I remember sitting there and I was feeling angrier and angrier, angry that we couldn't even go out and watch a goddamn movie without cancer ruining it. Angry at everyone in that cinema for laughing so hard about cancer. And angry that Tony even had cancer in the first place. I just wanted to stand up and yell at them all. What the hell is wrong with you people? Cancer is not funny. But instead, we just got up and left and went home. Now, the thing is, there was nothing wrong with those people in the cinema that day. They were simply there to be entertained just as we were. It wasn't their fault that my husband was dying and they deserved to be able to go out and enjoy a movie on a Sunday afternoon too. I absolutely just felt every word that you said. I think that that was one of the most powerful moments we've had on this podcast so far, if I'm being honest. Um, For a moment, I want to take a step back and discuss the word broken. You know, I posted something a few years ago with the word broken and someone went off on me on Facebook about it. Now, a lot of people go off on me on social media for various reasons. Social media is a pretty shitty place. But I want to talk about this for a second. When I used the word broken, 
couple of years ago when that person went off on me. I was talking about myself. Saying I shouldn't be using that word when I'm talking about myself is kind of absurd. Because here's the truth. I was speaking my truth. I was broken. I was. I was watching my wife die 50 years or so before either of us was supposed to even think about having to go. I was going through all the other things that were happening in my life during that time, including thinking I was losing the other piece of my heart as well. I was broken. And while I would never, ever put that word on someone else, I would never call someone else broken. I personally believe in a thing called beautifully broken. And when I admit my truth about being broken, when I admit that to myself, I can then properly give myself credit for how hard I have worked to find some repair. I really love your term of beautifully broken, John, and I love how it's a measure for you for how far you've come. Because, you know, we've both come such a long way since our loves died, and that is something to be acknowledged. Just like so many of our clients have come so far since their person died, and we get to acknowledge and celebrate their wings with them. And you know me pretty well. You know, I'm quite deliberate with my language around grief. So, for instance, I'll say died rather than passed, death rather than loss, and so on and so on. And that's for me. That's for me personally. However, when I'm with a client, I usually take notice of their words and I'll use the language that they're comfortable with because in those situations, it's not about me, it's about them. And I will say my grief language has changed over time as I've learned more about my own grief. And it will probably continue to change just as my grief will. But getting back on topic again, looking back at when Tony was dying and after he died, I definitely felt broken. I guess now if I think of something as being broken, though, it seems like it's something that can be fixed and grief can't be fixed. So while I felt completely broken, I understand that what I was feeling was absolutely normal for what I was experiencing at that time. I was watching my husband die right in front of my eyes and I felt so helpless to do anything about it. And there was a massive amount of anticipatory grief as well. And then he died and it felt like my whole world had fallen apart. So I did feel really broken. But looking back, I guess I wasn't broken. I was grieving. At the end of the day, your grief language is yours. You get to say what feels right for your situation. It's your story and other people will have their own stories and their own views. And nobody should tell you how you feel or how to express it. I totally agree with that. We'll do you know another episode on grief language as a whole. I mean, I'm with you. If someone wants to say past, they should say past. If someone wants to say died, they should say died. Um, 
I think that, you know, we have to say what we want to say and also know that it could change, right? Like you said, my grief language has also evolved in the way I talk about my life and uh, my loss and all that type of stuff. One of the things we'll talk about in that future episode is the word healed, <laughs> because <laughs> I fucking hate the word healed. When we talk about the word healed, we're talking about your thumb that broke when you were 13 years old. We're not talking about being healed from the loss of your person, because this is a lifelong journey. It is. So remember, guys, kindness is free. And it can be as simple as a smile. And the whole thing is, whether you are being kind or rude, that's the energy that you're feeling as well. If you smile or say a few kind words or help someone out with something, you will also feel good within yourself. But if you're rude or angry towards people, your body will feel tense, your heart will race, and it's just an all-round unpleasant feeling. And one small act of kindness has the ability to change a person's day. This world can be a really amazing place and a really beautiful place, but it can also be an incredibly difficult place and a really ugly place as well. We never know what someone else is going through. A kid at home battling cancer, a spouse they were deeply in love with who just walked out on them. Someone can absolutely be on the verge of a breakdown, feeling as though they just cannot take it anymore. Lifting them up is possible. Tearing them down is possible as well. Act accordingly, y'all. Please, just be kind. Thank you for listening to the My Person Died To podcast. For full information on our books, coaching services, and other offerings, visit our websites, carolyngowercoaching.com.au and johnpolocoaching.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And if you found this podcast helpful, please spread the word so that we're able to support more people through grief.